This weekend, as we continue in the series, Unlikely Heroes, we're going to take a look at Abraham. And as I was thinking about the perfect story to share with those of you who are here this weekend for Father's Day, I, I really came upon Abraham. I mean, he is, he's the centerpiece of, of what it means to be a father in many ways. The centerpiece of his story is about him becoming a father. In fact, I know not everybody here in Plymouth or there in Brighton, and I'm so glad for all of you gathered up there at Northridge Brighton, and maybe you're watching online. I, I, I just think it's so important that we understand that not all of us know everything about the Bible. I certainly don't, you don't, and some of you might not know anything about Abraham. Many of you do know about Abraham, but Abraham was a guy who, by faith, experienced the miraculous when it came to his son Isaac. You see, he was a hundred years old and his wife was 90 years old when they conceived and ultimately had Isaac. And, you know, everybody celebrates that. And I have to tell you, as a, as a guy that's a little over half of Abraham's age, um, I don't think there's a lot to celebrate when you're that old and you're having a baby. I mean... Seriously, let the young people do that. But anyway, yeah, he, he, he became a father when he was 100 and his wife was 90. He, God promised it, he believed it, and God delivered. It was a crazy deal. He's the father of Isaac. But he wasn't just the father of Isaac because it was through that promise and through that supernatural miracle of the birth of Isaac that, that Abraham became the father of all of Israel. All of Israel, all of the Jews, all of God's people were, were ultimately born through Abraham and then his son Isaac. And so through this promise and by faith, Abraham became the father of all of Israel. That, that group of people that has for now so long represented God's people in this world came because of Abraham's faith. And because of his faith, the Bible tells us that God actually called him his friend. And that's it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, that he had such an intimate relationship with God, that he was so close to God, that God himself would call Abraham his friend. Easy for us to want to call God our friend. All of us would love that. But God called Abraham his friend because of Abraham's faith. And because his faith was so dynamic and, and so at odds with most people's lives, God gave him the title the father of faith, the father of all who believe. And so here's this guy who was the father of Isaac, miraculously, the father of all Israel, and, and the father of all who believed. In fact, look at Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8. It says, but you, O Israel, your descendants of Abraham, you come from your father Abraham. Know this, he's my friend. He's an awesome guy, obviously. Look at Romans chapter 4, verses 3 and 11. What does the scripture say? It says Abraham believed God. He walked by faith, and as a result, God gave him the credit of being righteous. So then he is the father of all who believe. I mean, you can't help but just hear the couple of things that I've said about Abraham. Read those couple of verses and realize this guy was something special, right? I mean, he was amazing. He was a, a legitimate hero of the faith. Without a doubt, he's a great example for all of us who are fathers on this Father's Day weekend, for, for all of us who are human beings on this Father's Day weekend. But it would really be easy for us to disconnect ourselves from him, to, to think that that we really have nothing in common with him, that we can ultimately not learn much from him because obviously he was special 
and each of us knows ourselves from the inside out and we know obviously we're not so special. And so it would be easy to say he really has nothing for us. From our perspective today, it would be easy to think that Abraham was just one of these guys who was naturally great, you know. He was naturally spiritual and naturally perfect, that he was an obvious hero, a natural choice for God to use. And when you look at Abraham like that, you're going to segment him off with the special few and you're going to say, I have nothing in common with him. But you need to realize that if you look at Abraham that way, you're looking at him the wrong way. He wasn't naturally spiritual. He wasn't naturally perfect. He wasn't naturally great. In fact, when you understand who and what he was as a man, you realize he was far from a natural choice to be used from God. He was, ultimately, when you really look at him, an unlikely hero. The, the reality is that his story can, can and should be a huge encouragement and motivation for each and every one of us in our walk with God because, like us, Abraham was far from perfect and yet he became a hero of the faith. And here's actually the truth that I want to share with you on this Father's Day weekend. It's the truth from Abraham's story. A life of faith a life where you experience a relationship with God that's so intimate and so close that God himself would call you his friend, that kind of life does not demand perfection. A life that God ultimately honors and celebrates and holds up like he did Abraham's doesn't demand perfection. And if that's true, and it is, then there's a lot of encouragement and motivation for us in that truth, for those of us who are dads, for all of us here today. And I have to tell you, it's our goal on this Father's Day weekend to lift you up and to encourage you. And I have to tell you, from, from history, I've learned that often Father's Day is one of the worst days that dads can ever choose to go to church. Because... Often, it's the only time churches feel like they're going to have the ears of dads. And so what they do is they plan to beat them up royally for all they're not doing right. Ever been to one of those Father's Day services? Oh, man, I have. In fact, here in the early days of my ministry here, you know what we'd do? We'd, oh, man, we planned. We planned for you dads. And then what we did is we'd sing Cats in the Cradle on the Silver Spoon. And we'd talk about how you have so royally blown it, the world has gone to hell in a handbasket, and then we'd try and help you recover. And we wondered why dads didn't like Father's Day, you know, at our church. We, we don't do that anymore. What we want this to be is an encouragement to you. We want this to lift you up, and I can't think of a better story than Abraham because he's like us, far from perfect. And yet he was used significantly from God. So well, we're just going to take an honest look at, and I'm going to go pretty quickly through this. We're actually going to end the service and worship. But, but I, I want you to learn from this unlikely hero. I want you to be encouraged. Here, here's the first thing I find in his story. Abraham's timing was far from perfect. I mean, his timing was messed up. And, you know, when you think about heroes, you think about people who really make it in this world, you know, they become giants in their, their area of life. You, you think, man, they just had great timing. You know, they, 
they, they just invested at the perfect time in Microsoft or Apple, and now they're rich. Look at that, that great timing. But, but I'm going to tell you something right now. As great as Abraham became, his timing was messed up. I mean, look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 4. The Lord had said to Abram, this is Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now, I've already said my oldest child is 33. We have three, 33, 31, 29. And I, I, I thought when they got to be like 22, it was time they got out. You know, it's kind of like this. And, you know, we live in a day when kids stay longer. All of our kids are gone now, but they kind of hung around for a while in our household. And I, but then I, I read this verse and I said, man, I had it good. The, Abraham was still living with daddy when he was 75. Talk about a guy who had some messed up timing. Talk about a failure to launch. This guy. 75, still with daddy. And God finally had to come down and said, give your dad a break, would you? Get your own apartment for a while. Start driving your own car. Get a job. Let's just acknowledge this. 75 is not the perfect age to leave home. You know, 75 is not the perfect age to start following God. It's not the perfect age to start figuring out who you are. It's not the the perfect age to start choosing your career or starting a family. And yet, this is exactly when Abraham started these things. 75. Here's the encouragement and motivation I have for you. It's never too late to start anything. And this is a big deal because in one way or another, every single one of us feels that it's too late to start something. It's, you know, too much water's gone under the bridge of our life. It's too late to start changing the course of our life. We've been on this course too long. It's it's too late to start pursuing a dream. We've left them unpursued too long. It's, it's too late for us to make a difference in this world. We've just existed too long. It's too late to start building a better relationship with our families. It's, it's too late to start following or living for God. But here's what Abraham teaches us. If we feel this way, we are absolutely wrong because Abraham teaches us that it's never too late to start anything. It's not. And I think this is especially relevant for dads because, come on, we've all blown it. We've all gone through seasons where we maybe haven't made the right investment in our kids or we regret the investment we were making or how we were making it. And and we think, well, it's too late, you know. I'm going to tell you, Abraham teaches us that it's never too late to start anything. It's never too late to start doing the relationship the right way. It's never too late to start pursuing that dream. So let's start. Why not? In Abraham, we find encouragement because we find that this guy who became the hero of faith wasn't perfect in his own faith. Now, if I'm, if I'm God, and you should be very, very thankful that I'm not, but if I'm God, I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to find the one who has perfect faith before I call him the father of faith. But that's not what God did. Abraham was far from being perfect in faith. Look at Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 through 17. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And Abraham fell face down 
and laughed his butt off. Says it right there. You see it. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Why was he laughing when God said you're going to have a kid through Sarah? He was laughing because 90-year-old women don't have kids. They won't even let their husbands sleep with them anymore. Okay, maybe that's not true, but I mean, you get the idea. This kind of thing doesn't happen. He's just laughing. If she hasn't had a baby by now, maybe she's got it, not going to have a baby. But this is the father of faith. You'd think the father of faith, when he heard a promise like that from God, would fall on his face and, and worship God. Oh, you're the most awesome God. You're great. But instead, he's laughing. Why? Because his faith isn't perfect. And, and here's the encouragement. Here's the motivation. Faith that pleases God doesn't demand an absence of doubt. Now, get a hold of this, because many of us think that we can't ever please God with our faith because we've got all these doubts that plague us. We, we're never 100% certain about anything, even when we, you know, tell the stories that we are. And so we can't be used like Abraham because we don't have a faith like Abraham. Yes, you do. You see, having a faith that pleases God doesn't demand the absence of doubt. It just demands that we don't allow doubt to keep us from doing what God asks us to do. He doesn't ask that you're not plagued with questions and thoughts and doubts. He just asks that you ultimately do what you're supposed to do, and that's what Abraham did. He laughed, but he still did what he was supposed to do. Abraham, who becomes this great hero of the faith, had messed up character. His character was far from perfect. He was a moral failure, to be honest with you. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 11 through 13. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they're, they're going to say, this is his wife, and then they'll kill me and let you live. He thought, they're going to kill me so they can have you. So this is what he tells his wife. I mean, talk about leading her astray. Tell them you're my sister so that I'll be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Now you need to know they were related, but it wasn't his true sister. But the, the real reality of their relationship was that she was his wife. He, he was telling her to lie, to save his skin. That's not a great declaration of faith that God could be trusted in spite of what was going on. That's, that's an absolute breaking of integrity for the purpose of saving his own hide. Here's the encouragement and motivation. A failure of character doesn't have to be the end of our usefulness. Many of us think that we can't be used like a guy uh, like Abraham because we, we, we're failures. We've messed up too many times. But, but that really makes us qualified to be used because that's who Abraham was. Here, here's what you need to know. God only uses broken people because broken people are the only kind of people there are. God uses people who aren't perfect people. God wants to use each and every one of us. And it's good that, that our failures aren't the end of our usefulness because if failure was the end of usefulness, none of us would be usable. But I want you to know, God wants to use you. God can use you. God will use you if you, like Abraham, just 
get back up, trust God for his forgiveness, and, and move forward. I mean, that's what we have to do. That's what he did. Don't let it stop you. We've all failed. And Abraham's failure went all the way into some of his major choices in life. And Abraham's choices were far from perfect. This guy who became a hero of the faith, the father of all who would ever believe, had some messed up choices. Look at Genesis 16, verses 1 and 2. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant, you know, one of these young women who was serving Sarah, this older woman, and, and her name was Hagar. And so Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And it says Abram agreed to what Sarah said, but I mean, I'm kind of picturing the story, and I'm sure he was going, do I have to sleep with this young, beautiful woman? Okay, I'll do it if you force me to. This is a bankrupt moral choice. He had a covenant relationship with Sarah. God had promised the child would come through Sarah, and what's he doing? He's trying to take it into his own hands, and he's, he's literally breaking every ounce of, of sexual morality in this moment, his covenant of marriage, in order to try and manufacture this, and he's excusing himself because Sarah said it was okay. This guy was a liar and morally bankrupt in his life in these couple of experiences. And here's the encouragement and motivation we should get. Abraham blew it here, that is true. And there were some huge negative consequences to him blowing it. And know this, there are always negative consequences when we blow it. That's why it's better not to blow it at all. But, but in spite of him blowing it, God still used him. Please get this. In spite of the fact that he blew it big time, God still used him. This should encourage us because we've all blown it. We've all messed up. We all will mess up. But God can and still wants to use us. But we with Abraham need to be willing to get up and dust ourselves off and trust God to forgive us and keep moving forward. In Abraham's story, I'm encouraged because Abraham's understanding wasn't perfect. Uh, look at Genesis 22, verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, the son who had been promised to be the father of all of Israel, this, this miraculous child. Take that son, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, this was absolutely confusing to Abraham because God had said, I'm going to give you a son, and that son is the son of promise through whom all of my people will come. This same God who fulfilled that miraculous supernatural promise was the God who said, unlike the pagan false gods of this world who ask their people to do dark and devastating things, I never want you to ever sacrifice your children. And now all of a sudden, this same God's coming and saying, sacrifice this son who's supposed to be the father of all of my people? You think Abraham understood that? He didn't understand that at all. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. And yet, you know what Abraham did? Abraham, if you read the story, said, I'm going to trust you. Took his son to 
Moriah and put him on an altar to sacrifice him. But of course, God stopped him because it wasn't about sacrificing Isaac. God would never compromise his character. God never changes in the area of morality and values. And, and he said, here's your sacrifice. And he had had an animal stuck in a thicket there. And, and he said, Abraham, this is why I had you do this. Because I wanted to prove to you that you would trust me no matter what because it's in that faith that I'm going to be able to continue to use you. Abraham didn't understand what God was doing, but Abraham knew that God always did right, so Abraham trusted God even in the midst of the most confusing moment of his life. And you know what the encouragement is for us and the motivation should be? Though we don't understand, God can always be trusted. Always. We can trust his timing, even when his timing seems messed up. We can trust his silence. We can trust his leading, and we can trust his ways. We can trust what he chooses to do and not to do in this world, even when we don't understand, because Genesis 18, 25, this is where Abraham got his faith. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham didn't understand what God was doing but he trusted God would do right. And because of that, he became the hero of faith. And I want to encourage you. We're not going to understand what God's doing in this world. It's going to be confusing. I don't understand so much that goes on and why God doesn't stop it or why God doesn't start changing it. But I believe with Abraham that God does what's right. And when we trust him, we experience, as unlikely candidates as we are, God's best in our lives. And think about what God did through Abraham. God used Abraham and his faith to create an entirely new world for those who would come after him. Israel existed because of Abraham's faith. All that happened with David and, and all the kings of Israel existed because of Abraham's faith. And that's how it always is. God finds and Abraham, not a perfect person, but a perfect uh, person who's willing to trust God imperfectly, and God uses them to change the world. And I want you to know, this isn't just a matter of history, something God did way back then. It's something God does today. This church, Northridge Church, that we are experiencing today, this is an, uh, an amazing place. It is. I mean, we're one church, four locations. We have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who come and are impacted by Jesus on a weekly basis here, and God has used it in amazing ways. But did you know this church hasn't always been like what you're experiencing now? This church has had devastating times, seasons of unbelievable darkness, seasons where it was like going down, doobie-doo, down, down. And it was like there was nothing we could do, we thought. But we owe to the faith of a few people who came before us, to our own unlikely heroes, all that we experience today. And I want to introduce you to one of those heroes through whom which, because they had faith to trust God even when it seemed like nothing could be hoped for here. God made a difference through them. To our own Abraham story at Northridge Church. Watch. I've been going to this church uh, my whole life, since 1938. 
And mom and dad started uh, in 1935. Mom was out on the table, you know, taking attendance, and dad was the superintendent of the, the parking lot. So at an early age, I learned to serve God. So I, I began to get into ministry myself. We had a tremendous church. We, at one time, we were running over 4,000. And uh, all of a sudden, we began to diminish. Just lost track of, uh, of who we were trying to reach for Christ. We ultimately lost our pastor before Brad came. And that was a tough time. We, we, we went down farther because of the circumstances in which we lost our pastor. It, it made it difficult to help our people maintain in faith in God that he's not surprised about anything and that his will be done if we will just be faithful. I was determined that I was, God put me there, I was staying. I, I was going to stay no matter what. As chairman of the Board of Deacons, I was automatically the chairman of the pulpit committee, which was 15 people. And um, we began to look for a man to, to fill that, to fill our senior pastor role. So we developed a, um, a profile. He had to be above 50, 50 or above. He had to have built a great church and a whole bunch of other things. Every time we would bring someone in, whether we turned them down or they turned us down, it just, it just amplified um, the hurt. But you know what? You always have that faithful few that hang in there. We were, we were looking for a pastor probably for a year and a half, two years. Long time. We did a lot of praying, a lot of asking God to, to direct us to the one he wanted, not the one we wanted, but the one he wanted. Then we, we came up with new profile and basically said, Lord, whoever you want, and show us who that is. And we began to take all these different profiles and, and resumes and boiled it down to a couple of guys that were quite young. One of them, Brad, was 32. And did we drill them, asking them about a thousand, that's a hyperbole, uh, questions. He answered those questions like a, a man of 50 or plus. I'm telling you, he, he answered those questions so well. We were all uh, really uh, impressed. And so we picked Brad to come and be our pastor. We're the age of our church, and we, we, we were getting up there. And so we had some that didn't like a younger guy they didn't like his looks or whatever but that's okay god can handle that and he he brought the man he wanted despite all of it good evening gentlemen right, here's the here's the totals we had 719 yeses 176 noes 80 percent yes that's not bad not bad at all i think it's excellent uh let me say you gentlemen have a pastor all right, beautiful. We were so joyful at that point, so excited about starting a new journey. Lord, we thank you for your gift 
the pastor. And I pray for him, Father. We pray for him that you would give him great wisdom. And Lord, as he looks out into the future, give him great faith. Lord, give him a vision that we would see things happen here in this church, your church, that can only be explained that it happened by the power and might of Almighty God. Welcome, Bradley Powell, senior pastor, officially installed. Welcome, our pastor. I do not have the gift of leadership. Everything that I did was because of God's power in my life. There is no end to what God can do with people who will allow him to work in their lives and to do and accomplish his will. And so glory to God, not me. Praise the Lord. You know, I could start shouting. I could. <laughs> Welcome, Rich. Yes. Awesome. If you did that for an hour, it wouldn't be too much. And I'm being very, very serious. You know, Rich, thanks for being here. I appreciate it so much. And I, you, you, for a couple of years, as you said on that video, you went through, uh, well, a couple of decades of difficulty in the church and then the pastor leaving and all that. And then for two years, you were kind of given the assignment of leading the leaders to find the likely hero, the, the, the Messiah, the Messiah for the church, right? And, and, you know, none of them would come. And so then you got desperate and, uh, <laughs> and God led you to me. Um, the most unlikely. I, tell me what you were thinking. Tell me the, the story God gave you to encourage you in that journey. Well, uh, we weren't thinking. <laughs> so true. We certainly weren't thinking of a, a young 32-year-old. Um, we were thinking more of a, an older man. Put that in our, our profile, as we said, and, uh, because we had a, a lot of older people. And so we were looking for an older man, and uh, we, we had, uh, I think it was three come in and, and uh, uh, preach for us. And uh, first one we turned down, the second one we turned, actually there was three, one guy came twice and turned us down twice. We were getting a complex. <clears throat> But obviously, God was saying, no, I liken that to Samuel going to Jesse's house, looking for a king, and talked to his older brothers, uh, and uh, God said, no, not him, not him, not him, not him. Finally, Jesse said, well, I got one more young son, the youngest one of all back here. We, we can bring him out, and brought him out, and God said, he's the one. But I liken that to you. We, we had a lot of the older brothers come, and, but God said, no, I want the younger brother. Yeah. And that was you. So you were chosen of God. No well, doubt about you. it. I appreciate that. That means a lot. You were. Uh, 
It's a, it's, a, it's a risky thing, and I remember, I mean, it's, uh, we're just a couple of months shy of 25 years since that installation yeah. service, and I remember that prayer. Um, you actually told the David story then, and then you prayed, and it was at the time I said, oh, that was a great prayer, but now I look back and go, he was begging God, please don't let this kid kill this church. I mean, that's basically what you're doing, and you were... You, were kind you of caught saying, that, did you? Yeah. Dear Jesus, give him wisdom. Basically, you said, God, show up and do in this church now what the world will know only you could do. And talk to me about maybe what your expectation was in when you prayed. And talk about what God's done here since and how maybe that even surprised you. Well, I mean, you started talking about uh, building to 10,000. 10,000 people. We were running high 900s, 1,000. So we thought you were crazy. You know, <laughs> can you, 10,000 people, we thought he's going off the, the deep end here. But you know what? You had tremendous faith. You had that number and, and beyond in your mind that God was going to provide. You had the faith, and God can do such great things through us if we will just allow him and have the faith to step out and allow him to do it through us. And you did. And God bless you for it. Well, and we've done that. that. And, you know, my, what, what everybody needs to know is that none of our faith can ever be activated independently of others. My faith, no matter how big or small it would have been, would have been irrelevant if you and those who walked with you hadn't had enough faith to say, we'll go with God's way. And, um, and so I, I loved it when you said in the video, we got off mission. We forgot that we were supposed to be reaching the world, and we started doing the wrong things, and we needed to get back on. I, because you've walked through now multiple seasons, and we have a chance as a church to blow it, to just say, hey, we're comfortable, we're good, things are great. And, and I'd, what would be your encouragement to those who are part of Northridge who are gathered on this Father's Day weekend um, as it relates to this issue of faith? Well, I want, to, I want the same thing for you that I want for myself. I want us to love God, to serve God, to have a relationship with God, a, uh, a in-depth, um, precious relationship with God, serving Him and, and honoring Him with our lives and, and and have God be the center of our life and his serving him be the center of our life and not the things of this world. Because the things that we do in this world is going to pass away. But the things we do for God will be for eternity. I, I want him to say to me and I want him to say to you when our life is over, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that from God? Yeah. I want to be a friend of God like Abraham. I want to be a friend of God because I'm a child of God. Amen? That's right. Amen. Fantastic. Amen. It's awesome. Give him one more hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We, we read the Bible and we wish that we could know people like those in the Bible. And the truth is they're all around us. We just don't recognize them because they're a part of our world. And truly, to me, Rich is an Abraham story. 
He, it goes way beyond anything you just experienced. Um, God wanted to do something different than what this congregation was looking for. And, and this guy had the influence and led towards, you know, what God was doing. And when I came in as a 32-year-old kid, and he was in his 50s, and he had all the influence, and I had none, but God called me to pastor. He took me out to breakfast. He says, I want you to know something. I believe God called you, and I'm going to give you every ounce of influence God's given me, and I will never use my influence to undermine your leadership. I will follow. I will trust God, and I will trust you, and he's done it, and I'm going to tell you something. That's faith. That's Abraham, and that's what it takes, and I want to encourage you to know that in every season of history, God always has found himself in Abraham. Do you realize that we're, we're sitting in this church now, and it wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for a man like this and those who walked with him who were willing to trust the unbelievable back then. You, you most of you, have never heard Rich Pingley's name and you've never even seen him, and yet we're sitting here today because of his faith. Do you realize that's how God wants to use you? Oh, maybe the world won't know your name and maybe they won't know your face and maybe you won't be celebrated like people are in this world, but God wants to redefine the future. God wants to change the world. And it takes faith. And not perfect faith, but faith. And so I want to encourage you to start trusting him I'm not encouraging you to trust him because I get something out of that, because I don't. I want to encourage you to trust him because, as Rich said, we get something out of that. Abraham wasn't a friend of God because he was better than we are. Abraham became a friend of God because he just kept trusting God no matter what. And that's where we need to be. Some of you are here and you've never even experienced God in your life. You've never even started to trust him. And you need to know the whole story of Jesus is all about what you need. I mean, all of us have sinned and come so short of what God has for us, but Jesus came to live the story we failed to live. And then when he died on the cross, it was for the wages of our sin because sin equals death, but then he rose again so he could give us that life. But you know how we experience it? Not by being worthy. Religion teaches you that you can earn it by doing certain things and not doing certain things. That's a lie. But you can experience it, how? By trusting Jesus. And so before we end with worship, we're going to move right into worship and end this Father's Day weekend service. I want to encourage you to start trusting him. In fact, I want to pray with you. And so I'd encourage you, he, those of you here in Plymouth, you just bow with me in a word of prayer. And those of you at Northridge Brighton who are right now experiencing the same service, if you would kind of engage this and bow in a word of prayer. And maybe you're watching online, if you would. And I want to encourage you, if you're already a follower of Jesus, to, to declare your trust in him. But if you're not yet a follower, pray with me. Take my words in this prayer and in the quietness of your heart, make them your words to God. Just say, God, I, I need you. I have sinned against you. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm, I'm so much the failure. But Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose for me and I'm trusting you to forgive me and give me a new life. And I'm thanking you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed with me here in Plymouth or in Brighton or online, I just really want you to know there are next steps that you can take in your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you to see what they are. 
If you're in one of the services with us, we gave you a program, and inside is this connection card. You just rip it out, fill it out, and then on the bottom, check that circle that says, today you prayed to receive Jesus. And then as you're leaving the auditorium, wherever it is, just throw it in the box right outside the door, and we'll do the rest. If you're watching online, just hit the What Next button at the top of your screen, and we'll do the same thing for you. But here's the encouragement. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. That's the story of Abraham. He just kept trusting. And I want to encourage you, start trusting him every single day, and what you'll experience is not that you have the ability to live the right life, but that God has the ability to take your imperfect life and do something perfect with it. You know who the unlikely hero is supposed to be? You. But it takes trusting him. And when we trust him, he shows up big. Now, I think God's working in some of your lives, and you'd love to have someone to talk to or to pray with. And so we have prayer teams. They're at Brighton here in Plymouth, and, and uh, we're going to sing a song where I hope that you'll just make the declaration that you're going to stand on Jesus. But then, when everyone else is leaving, the prayer team gathers up front, and all you have to do is come forward and sit here and They'll come, they'll pray with you and talk to you. I hope you'll take advantage of that. But right now, let's declare it. We're going to stand on Jesus because he's the solid rock. Thanks, everybody. Happy Father's Day.